within, the Adamic fallen nature that we have to daily crucify, and we have enemies without, demonic beings that have your name as their assignment, okay, to steal, kill, and destroy from you in the year 2020. And so we're not walking in this year free of enemies. We're not walking this year where your mind is just naturally going to line up with the will of God. What does God say? Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are high above the earth, so are my ways and thoughts higher than yours. 2020, when I speak about a message on strength, I began to think, well, my gosh, there's so many different aspects to being strong. I mean, you can do a bunch of things right, but if you've got a glaring weakness, an area that you're letting the enemy into your life, or you're not doing the, the thing that wisdom would tell you to do, don't get into legalism with me. Champions don't live any old life and win the gold medal or even, even qualify to participate. We've been called champions by God. Do you, remember, do you remember a few years ago we had a teaching on champions? The, the word champion does not mean winner. Did you know that? A champion? We've now in our vernacular, we've taken the word champion to mean winner. But it's in the French archaic, uh, it was uh, representative. You're going to be our champion for the fight. That's why... Goliath, the Philistines, brought forth their, it says, their champion. That was the, They picked him to represent them against Israel. And so, you know, David become, became Israel's champion. Nobody else would step up. So 16-year-old boy represents the nation of Israel against the giant. But what they didn't know was David, as the representative, was the only guy... As a young teenage boy, he was still the only one that had a relationship of such quality as that psalmist out there with the sheep. You know, as he began to write some of these psalms and live out there in the fields with the sheep, some things of the Spirit began. And he began, and David possessed a heart that God said was like his. And what strength that that produced where he could look at a, a, a giant some say, I personally believe the giant Goliath was 14 feet tall. Others say he was 9 feet. Either way, David was about 5 feet 4 inches probably at that time. He was still growing up, but he was not afraid of the giant. And he said, he called that giant, you uncircumcised Philistine, that you're mocking the armies of the living God. You come at me with sword and spear, but I come at you in the name and with the name of my God, Jehovah, the great I am that I am. And that little boy said, and today I'm going to take your head from your shoulders. Can you imagine the strength to be able to look at the thing that had caused the whole army of Israel for 40 days to shake like a leaf? And a little boy walks out there and says, your head's coming off today. With your own sword. So if David in the Old Testament, as a, as a shepherd boy, could have such courage and strength to take down Goliath. Matter of fact, he was so not impressed with 
Goliath that he didn't even call him by his name. He, he called him an uncircumcised. Who, who is this? Yeah, the, the Philistine actually does mean, you can actually say the name Philistine means rolling dirt bag. And the Philistines represent the demonic realm in the, in the Old Testament stories here. So when it comes to strength, we, we can literally preach every year or every Sunday this year on strength and not cover all the main stories on strength. The Lord has put so many stories in the Bible and references in the Bible to being strong. It literally is in the hundreds, hundreds. David and his mighty men, Shammah, positioned himself in the middle of the field and defended it when everybody else left. Benaniah, a mighty man, of, uh, uh, it says one of David's mighty men, jumps in a pit on a snowy day and kills a lion. And, and these exploits, Daniel 11.32 says, They that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Well, you know, I've quoted that verse now so long without reading the context of it. Okay, How many of you do that sometimes? So I thought, you know, it's been a while since I've read Daniel 11. I better go back and check it out. Because I quote that verse all the time. I give that verse to people all the time. They that know, yada intimate knowledge of God, okay, shall be strong and do exploits, okay? Well, in context, Daniel's talking about the, the Antichrist spirit having come and weakened the commitment of the people of God and, wore the, and, and they've been worn out by the Antichrist, Okay? Talking about the spirit of the Antichrist. So God's people are giving up. Is what Then verse 32 shows up. But they that know their God shall be strong and fight back. When, I looked at other translations. And fight back against that, that, that spirit that wants to take us down. So in 2020, there is an Antichrist spirit that's gone into the world. Whether or not it's the Antichrist. We know in First John, John talks about that many antichrist spirits have gone into the world. Why? Because it's a war. We're in a war. It's a demonic war against the, the kingdom of darkness against the kingdom of light. Okay? And we, the body of Christ, are going out in this year in expanding the kingdom of light. Now, when you expand the kingdom of light, what do you have to, what is the resistance? Against us taking the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to this world. The message of Jesus Christ. God becomes flesh to be the Savior of the world. It's Luke 2.11. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior. And how the angels brought that message to the shepherds. And how we receive that message and, and take it. To the world, if we think the devil's going to step out of our way and just let, allow us or to walk by him, every inch in 2020 will be contested. There will not be an inch of the kingdom that we expand in 2020 that will not have to be fought for. We, we're going to have to fight for it. And if we think physical wars are difficult, we have no idea, guys. The spiritual warfare that, that can rage around us. 
But, you know, there was a time in my walk where I got caught up in spiritual warfare. Everything was warfare. Now, I'm not saying that warfare, spiritual warfare ever stops. But I don't have to be focused on spiritual warfare per se if I'm abiding in the vine, living in him, listening to the Holy Spirit. I'll hear a voice behind me say, this is the way, walk ye in it. And that way was over here where the devils and every all the spiritual warfare had been set up for my demise was on that side. So we don't have to. It, it's like the season when everything in prayer was warfare. I mean, we were binding this and loosing that and da, 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 to the point that we got exhausted. You know, Mike Bickle has been one of the, the leaders in intercessory prayer. And he said that they came to a point in, in these thousands of people that were just always warring, warring, warring. He said, it just dawned on us. Let's worship God. And, and Jack Hayford said they got caught up in, in demons for a while in Jack Hayford's church. We mean well, but sometimes we can get top-heavy in an area or, or out of balance. And, and the very thing that was supposed to be healthy began to bring dis, uh, or an unhealthy atmosphere because everybody was now focusing on demons. And the Lord spoke to Jack Hayford before Sunday morning service because everybody would come into the sanctuary and bind this and bind that and bind this and bind that. And so he went back to his office and the Lord spoke to him and said, Congratulations, Jack. Now, every demon in your area is in your church. They love the attention. They love the attention. And he realized, you know, if we glorify God and lift up Jesus, the enemy's going to flee. What does Psalm 68 mean? Arise and shine. You know, I mean, arise. And it talks about your enemies melting like wax in your presence. So if we bring the presence... I lived in Houston. Anybody... I hope you grew up in Houston, lived there long. I lived there six years. Houston has more cockroaches than any, all the rest of the earth combined. There's more cockroaches in Houston than any other place, all the other places. And it was, and they're in, they're in low income and they're in high income. The cockroaches have invaded everybody in Houston. And but what we found out is they don't like light. And you, we, I'd get up at midnight, come in and get something to drink and turn on the light. And there they are, caught. And then they're scurrying everywhere. They're, they scurry everywhere. And so it's a battle in Houston that everybody deals with this enemy. And um, so I don't know why I brought that up. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so I guess what I'm saying is if we just turn on the lights, the enemy's going to scurry. And then if you do have to take a direct attack, you know, with naming something, God will give you the wisdom to be able to name that and not run around just consumed with, you know, you guys, you know, we maybe some of us have been there where I'm just now in warfare and I'm binding this and this and this and this. I'm not saying we don't do that. We do that. But we do that under the instruction and direction of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And we don't get demon or darkness focused. But getting back to this message on strength, you're going to have to do that this year. You're going to have to fight the enemy this year. The enemy is going to contest you. And he's going to put thoughts in your mind. Well, he's going to attempt you to take the thoughts. 
Okay? If I, over, over the 32 years of ministry, the devil, if it is the, Mr. Devil, Satan himself, or the, the principalities and powers we know that we're wrestling against, we're not wrestling against humans, it says in Ephesians 6. We'll get into that in a second. But if I would have listened to some of the thoughts that came into my mind, not only would I not be in the ministry, I'd probably be homeless on the side of the road. Some of the decisions that I would have made based on demonic words that the devil, in a time of weakness, tried to get me to move on. And so the enemy in 2020, you better not accept every thought that comes in your mind. What does the Bible say about thoughts? It says the weapons of our warfare are not uh, carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so 2020, you've got to be strong enough to grab hold of your brain, I mean your mind, and say, stop thinking that. I cast that down. I, I throw that behind me. Okay? It's very important. You're going to face off. The devil's going to try to attack your body with sickness. I mean, you guys do believe that the devil is out there making people sick, right? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by who? The devil. Healing, healing, healing all who are oppressed by the devil. The devil messes the devil attacks in this area. He, and he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 2020, he wants your faith. And here's how that works. Because there's delays, that doesn't mean a denial, but we go through delays, we can be discouraged in the delay. And in the delay, we make these wild accusations against God. You know, and then the devil steals my faith. I have no faith in God. Uh, pretty soon I stopped calling him Father, and he's God. You see the de- separation? Fa- oh, Father. Father God. Now it's just God or the man upstairs. Some people have gone so far away that they have no relationship now. Their faith has been stolen. I don't know. I, I don't, this message isn't designed to tell you every way the enemy's going to be there in 2020. I'm just saying, I heard the Lord say, Son, you've got to be strong. Strong physically, strong spiritually. You've got to be able in 2020. Well, 2020, when we come to vision, you've got to have strong vision. When somebody's got 2020 vision, what's it called? They've got, they got good vision. They've got strong vision. What if your vision is 2200? They would call that weak vision. You have weak vision. And so what's your vision like this year? Is your vision full of faith, full of hope, full of love? Is what you're looking at. We're going to do great exploits in his name. We know our God. We, we have an intimate relationship with our Father God. And we're going to do exploits this year. And so, as I've looked at this message on being strong for this year, I've gone back and Hidden Riches and Secret Places. It's one of the books that we've put together. There's about 2,200 scriptures in here. This book is topical. It's on, on a particular subject. Uh, there's 80 to 155 scriptures per chapter based on whatever that topic is. And so I have a chapter in this book, Hidden Riches, called Jehovah 
to serve the Lord my rock or the Lord my strength. And I began to, to you know, to cover th- these scriptures. And I would say every one of these scriptures you and I should read in the first in, in the next four or five days. I wish I could. I, I wish I would have. Next Sunday, maybe I will take this chapter out of the book and make copies of it for everybody. And you can then take it and renew your mind to it. You could buy the book if you like. But I want you to get these scriptures and I'll make the copy and I'll have them here next Sunday for you. These scriptures are all so important that we understand how we're going to get strength. Okay? Because we've got to have it, guys. I want 2020 vision this coming year. What's 20? Clear vision. The men of Issachar had an understanding of the times and they knew what Israel should do. The men of Issachar, this tribe of, of, of Israel called Issachar, they had champions in that tribe who were of such a relationship with the Lord, they had wisdom. And they could, in, in that season, people came to the men of Issachar because they had wisdom and they had knowledge. The men of Issachar had an understanding of the times. How many of you want to go into 2020 with an understanding? You, you are clearly grasping the moment, the moment while you are alive. You've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Each one of us, we're here today because God has plans for us, working together to do an assignment that's going to expand the kingdom of God. And so... Um, there's just a tremendous amount of things that I could say about strength. But I want to talk about Elijah and, and spiritual warfare and this need for strength. Okay, so if you would, go to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. Talk about Elijah, one of the greatest prophets either the greatest, top two prophets in, in Israel, in the Bible. Um, you know, two or three for sure. And Elijah has been, um, over the last three and a half years, he had called for a famine. God had used him to declare a famine in the presence of uh, King Ahab of Israel. And he called for a famine, and it did not rain for three and a half years. And um, then after this three and a half years, Ahab and Jezebel, they'd been decimating the worship of Jehovah in Israel, killing all the prophets. Maybe there were 300 prophets left, 100 being hidden in three different caves. So there's 300 prophets. But... But but there was 7,000 that had not yet bowed their knee to to Baal. But in Elijah's mind, he doesn't really know that. It's him against Ahab and Jezebel and all the demonic world. And Israel has fallen into Baal worship. And in chapter 18 uh, of Kings is one of the greatest miracles of all time. And it's where... Elijah called fire down from heaven and, and burned up the sacrifice and licked up even the water. While 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah all day long had danced around 
it was Elijah let them go first. The, the challenge was, whosoever God answers by fire, he's God. Okay? So Elijah's thinking, this is, when, when this miracle happens, then Israel most certainly will turn away from Baal worship. Okay? How many of us have an expectation of how something should work out? Okay? And when it doesn't, what happens? You can be discouraged, right? So what happens is that Elijah, he, he calls fire down. And God sends fire and burns up the offering and even licks up all the water, which the 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah could not do. They were cutting themselves and chanting and for like all day long. Elijah steps up and calls it down, burns up the sacrifice. Incredible miracle. And then he goes over and gets a Mount Carmel and gets on his knees seven different times in a three-and-a-half-year famine. I said famine, drought. A three-and-a-half-year drought that caused famine. And he keeps praying until a, a cloud the size of a man's fist shows up out in the Mediterranean. And he says, that's it. What a great faith statement when it's been a drought for three and a half years and way out there your servant says, well, there is a cloud the size of a man's fist. And he took off running on that. And he ran over about 26 miles back to Jezreel from Mount Carmel, 26 miles faster than a chariot. And he's running on, on his feet. You know, he takes his cloak and ties it around him and takes off supernatural strength, supernatural strength to call fire down, supernatural strength to bring waters out of the heavens, supernatural strength to outrun a chariot. But that all was in 2019. Because now we're in 2020. And turn the page the next day when Israel should have repented. They had not yet repented. After those great miracles. How discouraging that would be. And then Jezebel stands up. And this is what happens. She says, well, we'll start in verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. 850 of them. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Within 24 hours, Elijah, payback is coming to you. Now look what this great prophet, this man of God that did these incredible miracles. Look what happens in verse 3. In the height of spiritual warfare, God's champions can, can bow their knee, given to discouragement. And fear. And when he saw that, he arose. And some of the saddest words in the Bible, because it's written about Elijah, God's champion, ran for his life. And if you don't think that's what the devil wants to get you to do this year, to, to give up, you're standing in a place in the kingdom. He wants you to move backwards. And there will be all kinds of things Elijah could have said this, God, why aren't you doing your, your, your side of the bargain? You know who said that? Moses said that. Because in Exodus 6, he, sh- he showed up 
as God's deliverer for the Israelites. And everything that he that that God told Moses to say, he said. And at the time, God had not done one thing that he told Moses to tell the people. And now the people, they want to stone Moses. They're so mad. They're spitting mad. And it says that they hearken not to the voice of Moses because of cruel bondage and hardness of heart. That people that, of Israel that were to be delivered are now rejecting the deliverer because there doesn't seem to be any fulfillment of anything anybody has said from God. And so Moses goes and gets in God's face and says, you haven't kept your side of the deal. I've gone and done what you told me to do, and you aren't doing it. And you know what God told him to do? Go say it again. That's what he said, go say it again. You cannot give up saying the word of God, declaring the word of God. You cannot give up and, and, and run for your life. In 1997, 98, I was running for my life. I was on a plane going back to Houston where I had spent six years. My family, twin brother lived there. And I was going to, at that point, really thinking about leaving San Diego and Amy and I relocating back and trying something back there. It was just demoralizing. It was difficult. I began to lose my bearings. I didn't know if I was coming or going half the time. I wasn't seeing any breakthroughs. I wasn't seeing the faithfulness of God. It seemed like God was silent. Then flying back at 35,000 feet with the word, Amy, I think we should go back to Houston. God met me on that airplane that day. 35,000 feet. And he told me, gave me a word that put rebar in my back and turned everything, flipped everything. And strength came into my soul. At 35,000 feet, in about 15 minutes, I totally got delivered from hopelessness. I had a word, another word from God I could stand on. I could hold on to. in, In the storm, all hope of being saved was gradually abandoned by, you know, the guys with Paul in Acts 27. But then here comes Paul up with a word from God. A word from God. Be of good cheer, for I believe God. It shall be me even as it has been told me. And that whole ship was saved because somebody had the strength of of getting with God and then got a word from God that saved everybody on that ship. And that's where we're headed this year. So going back to Elijah, this great champion, he's running for his life. How is this possible? The greatest miracles that have been done in Israel just got done the day before. How could, in spiritual warfare, guys, don't take it for granted. And when you start getting goofy thoughts or strange thoughts to quit and give up and this and that, I I ask you, as your pastor, go into prayer and make sure it's not the devil whispering in your ear to give up. Because he does that. How do you think Jesus, how do you think the devil tempted Jesus? Do you think he showed up as the devil? They had a face-to-face talk, maybe. I'm not saying that's not possible. I think for years that's how I thought it was. But I think Jesus out there in the wilderness in a fasting mode for 40 days, I think the devil came and began to whisper in his ear. This is how 
If you'll just fall down and worship me, I'll give you. You know, do a stupid test of God because angels will protect you. And so Jesus walked away victorious over every demonic thought that attacked him. Will in 2020, will we be ready for that? I'm going to tell you about Elijah, how he was able to recover. And then we're going to end in Ephesians 6, putting on the armor. Okay? And so here is Elijah running for his life. And he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Judah, by the way, was serving God a little bit more at this time. So at least he was running in the direction of those who feared God. Israel was completely Baal worship. So he, he went down to Beersheba. There's, you know, covenant promises that made it Beersheba. And so in his weakness, he still had trained himself to at least run in the direction of, of the people of God. And it says that he sat down under a broom tree. It's more like a bush. But it, it is actually, uh, you know, it gives a lot of shade. And so he's under this shade tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And one day earlier, he's calling fire down out of heaven. He's opening up the heavens to bring a, 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 a torrential rainfall. He's being used powerfully by God. 850 uh, prophets of Baal and Asherah are, are killed. And yet what broke his heart was when Israel didn't respond to that mercy of God, to the power of God. And they continued to hold onto their Baal worship and their idol worship. And he's now suicidal. Spiritual warfare, the devil is just wanting to kill you. And these thoughts are coming, I'm no better, I'm no better. Are you kidding me? Elijah was much better. Elijah feared God. Elijah was fearless. But here he is in a weakened condition. What stabbed his heart was the fact that his nation, his family, his brothers and sisters, the Israelites, still stayed in the darkness. And it so discouraged him, it set him up for this Jezebel attack. And as she said these words, he runs for his life. And now he's sitting under the shade tree. This champion is now defeated. And he's saying, take my life. I'm worthless. How sad a thought that is. I don't know how long he laid there. It says in verse 5, then as he lay and slept under a broom tree. He's laying there hopeless, exhausted in sorrow from sorrow says the disciples slept for sorrow you can be so sorrowful it just you just collapse and this is the condition of the great prophet elijah but then it says as he lay there and slept under a broom tree suddenly an angel touched him and said to him arise and eat and then he looked elijah looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again, exhausted. Well, let's just talk about the angel and what came, the, the, the meal that the angel prepared for Elijah. We all know what bread in the Bible represents, right? Jesus is called the 
bread of life. Okay? And as we eat the bread of life, we gain what? Strength. And so here is the man of God, pancaked in spiritual warfare. 2019's over. The miracle's there. They, I guess they didn't carry over to 2020 is what it looks like in the natural. And he's just now, you know, he's done for. But God's never done with you. Even when you're faithless, he remains faithful. Even when you begin to sink, he reaches out and takes hold of you. So this morning, guys, 2020, if you're going into this year exhausted by last year or by current circumstances, have hope today. Okay? He will strengthen you. He will rejuvenate you. There is a rejuvenation. It says in Psalm 68, 9, that he did send a plentiful rain to confirm and strengthen his inheritance when it was weary and languishing. And so there's this rain of God, of the Spirit, he, you know, just like plants that are drooping. How many of you forgot to water a plant in your house when you went on vacation? And you came back and it was like this. Needed water. And you begin to water it. You begin, Good things begin to happen. Life begins to come back. And so the angel has baked a loaf of bread. And where, where does the angel put the loaf of bread? I see Elijah so exhausted that if the bread was down by his feet, he wouldn't have been able to get it. But as he's laying there and he opens up an eye, the smell of freshly baked bread right at his head, it says. The angel, as he's laying, if this is Elijah, he, the angel puts the bread right at Elijah's head. So he opens it and he smells that bread. And, it, and the angel says, take and eat. And so he begins to eat the bread. The bread is the word of God. The bread is God's promises. The bread is God's commands. The bread is the, the, this amazing Jesus Christ. He is the bread of life. And we partake of that loaf of Jesus promise by promise by promise and he eats that loaf and drinks that water and he and he lays down again but then it says then he looked it says arise and eat the angel said then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water so he ate and drank and he laid down again and the angel of the lord came back the second time, and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength, everybody say strength, of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And so what the angel of the Lord, and by the way, this could be an Old Testament reference to Jesus. Because some translations translate that not an angel, but the angel. Capital A, the angel. And, and so Elijah was so exhausted that what came out of heaven should have... You think one helping, one loaf of bread would be enough. But it wasn't, for the journey was so great. The angel said, you've got to eat a second helping of this because you're on a journey, Elijah, 40 days and 40 nights. Coming from a completely debilitated position, completely squeezed, empty, 
nothing left to where now he's going to go on a 40-day journey, an adventure. For some reason, I, 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 I had the Lord of the Rings movies in my mind, those little hobbits eating that bread and going on this journey. But the, the journey, guys, this year in 2020, if we don't get this bread of life, the journey that we're on will be too, too difficult. You have to eat the Word of God. Now, I say that, and it might sound like legalism, but no one would think legalism when it came to physical food that you have to eat physical food to have strength to go, right? Could, if I told you, you've got to start eating more, would you feel like, would you say, Pastor Man, you're just being legalistic about the Word stuff? No. You know that you have to eat the Word of God. You have to bring that Word into your body, spiritual body. You ha- this journey for 2020, when I heard the Lord say, Son, you have to be strong physically and you have to be strong spiritually. Well, I know that means clean up my physical diet and make sure that I double this year. For me, I'm going for two loaves of bread this year. Because I know that the journey that Amy and I are on, it's going to be taxing. But that word, Jesus said, that I have meat that you know not of. I mean, when we partake of the word of life, the bread of life, we're going to be strong. Okay? And it gave him strength to go 40 days and 40 nights to get to Mount Horeb. And it was there that God gave him a fresh impartation and revelation because he had known God in earthquakes. He had known God in, in storms. He had known God in lightnings. But God was not in any of that for Elijah now. In 2020, he discovered God in intimacy. A soft, small, still voice. That God was in that. And so in 2020, for you and me, let's just say we're going to know God in maybe new ways. We're going to experience God. We're going to hear the voice of God, not always in a thus saith the Lord, but in our prayer time. You're going to hear a voice behind you saying, son, daughter, this is the way. Come with me. Walk this way. Can we all lift our hands and thank God that we are eating the bread of life, that we're feeding richly on the word of God, that this is a year 2020 of clear vision, clear uh, sight that because we're renewed in the Word of God, we don't have double vision. We don't have, uh, we're not double-minded. We're not living in a fog. That, that things are clear to us because we have a clear Word of God guiding and directing us. Go to Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So this phrase, be strong, or be strong and courageous, or be I mean, literally starting from Joshua and going all the way through the whole Bible, is this phrase, be strong. So it's so many times I can't count them. Be strong. The Lord says, be strong. Be Joshua 1, 7 and 8. Be strong. Don't allow discouragement to come in. So, when it tells us to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, it's something you can do. When the Lord says, be strong, then you have to say, okay, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be strong. 
I'm not going to stay where I am. I'm going to make sure, Lord, you, says be, you say be strong. So I lift my hands. I declare, I am strong in you, Lord. By your great grace upon my life, I declare, I am strong. You might be weak as a wet noodle, but can you move your mouth? Can you get in agreement with the Word of God? And it says, if you make the decision to be strong, yeah, that's a commandment. Ephesians 6.10 is a commandment. Be strong. And the commandment comes to all of us, regardless whether we're a 98-pound weakling today or, you know, some super strong human being. The, the command comes to all of us, where, regardless of where you are on the strength meter. You can be a one or a hundred, but it comes to all of us, be strong. So even the person who is the weakest, because God says in Psalm 105, 37, when he brought his people out, he brought them out with silver and gold, and not one feeble was among them. So God is saying, be strong in me. I don't want any feebleness. You're my child. I want my do, do parents. Do you want any of your children to be feeble? So the father's heart is that we're strong in him and the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And then he says, therefore, put on the whole armor of God. And so this is how we can be strong in the Lord. You begin to put on the armor of God. And what is the armor of God? It's the word. And it begins to tell us. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the trickery, the stratagems of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. As I began further and further down this path of quitting in 1997... I know there were demons assigned to the destruction of Amy and I and our ministry that were rejoicing. They were having these conversations. Listen to him. He's talking about going back. He's ready to go back. He's making plans. They're high-fiving in, in this, this battle that's raging about our lives and ministry that is destined to impact millions. And all I can see is what I can see in the natural circumstance that's squeezing me. Not realizing principalities and powers. And here's, and here's actually, here's what I heard. Here's what I heard. Homes are too expensive here. People will work six and a half days a week. They're not going to ever sell out for the kingdom because they've got to survive. Uh, that thought that people in San Diego will have to work six days a week. Now, I know what that means. People are exhausted. And on Sunday, they're just going to rest. And rightfully so. I mean, you, you can, in the natural, the guys, that's why you got people moving to Idaho like crazy out of California. And Texas and Colorado. Just to get a, a relief from this pressure of the cost of living. And we can literally come to the point of making a decision when, when we are kingdom people. Making a decision about provision that we think we need for the future. I need to re- revisit that thought next week. 
Because it's a, it's, a, it's a thought that we're all dealing with. So it goes on to say, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, each one of us, there will be an evil day in 2020. Just the way life is. Am I not prophesying doom? I'm just telling you that you have to be ready because there's going to be a day in 2020 and that in the natural, it's an evil day. It's the Jesus called it the hour of the evil one is coming upon you. Pray. That's how you get strength. Men ought always to pray and not faint. And so in 2020, we got to pray. We have to pray and put on the armor. And here he goes on to say, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, which with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts and flaming missiles of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The rhema word of God, the word of God that you are declaring. Praying always with all manner, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and being watchful to this end with all perseverance, supplication, for all the saints. That is Ephesians 6, the armor of God. And so this morning as we leave, and we're going to go out first Sunday of the year, your pastor has told you that we have been commanded to be strong this year. It's the year of 2020. If we've had double vision, double-mindedness, come on, guys, we're going to get that straightened out. You're going to get your vision fixed. But we're going to eat double of the Word of God, double in the presence of God, staying in His presence. You're going to rise up. You're going to go on a journey this year, an adventure in God. And when you hit problems, you don't call them hassles like I talked about last week. You call them adventures. The Lord spoke to me and said, you know, you're calling everything a hassle. It could be an adventure. You could find me in the problem. God, the, Israel found God in the, in the Red Sea. And so now we come to this place where we make the decision when we wake up in the morning, how do we clothe ourselves? You wake up, you don't run out in your pajamas all day, do you? How many of you just wake up and whatever you're wearing or not wearing, that's what you go out as? You prepare yourself properly for the day. Put on the armor, guys. Feed richly. Feed richly on the word of truth. It's the word of our salvation. It's called the word of grace. It's the word of truth, the word of faith which we preach. This living word has come to us. Heaven has opened up 2020 to us, and it's going to come. And we have to walk with Christ this year in new things. In, and we're going to know God and be strong and do great exploits. And where our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ have become weakened and discouraged and defeated, we're going to be able to fight back and, and go and get to these brothers and sisters and encourage them. And we are going to together expand the kingdom of God.